You're listening to the Geriatric Mamas Podcast with Jessica Raziri and Sonia Tapley. No, but it was funny because when we were talking, like, um, was it last week or a couple weeks ago or whatever, and I noticed that you both were like glowing in Zoom. I'm like, why do <laughs> oh, I? Oh yeah, because so we bad? were. Uh- and, I, and like, I don't know if there was like a note where you noticed that I was like really like like going like this. Staring at our faces. Was, well, no, it's because I was like opening up settings and I'm like, this has to be a setting. How can yes. I fix this? And oh so my then goodness. I found it, like the fuzz, and I'm like, sweet, that's much better. So don't judge me for this, but when I got my Mac computer finally hooked up with the Zoom app, the first thing I did was I went in and I put that filter all the way up on my computer. It's like one of the very first things that I did. Yeah, and, it's, and when someone schedules a Google Meet, I'm horrified because of <laughs> that and Teams, like Microsoft yeah, Teams, I don't. yeah, do that way. Yeah, we used to use Teams um, at my work, and it was rough because it was yeah. literally like going between. I'm like, but I look way better in Zoom, right? Can we just use Zoom because there's the filter? If Microsoft Teams and Google put that option in there totally fine we'll use yeah Yeah. um well i think this is a good segue to introduce who was just speaking so today we have surrogacy expert jesse jaskolski i'm saying that right i hope with us to tell us her journey to motherhood and how she helps hopeful parents today I've been super excited for this recording. I've been looking forward to it. And then it's like, I feel like now that I have like surrogacy on my mind, I'm like hearing all these stories that are just like popping up. Like Chrissy Teigen, it was just, I just saw an article this morning that um, she just gave birth to her. Well, she just had her son via surrogacy. It was just like so, so funny because like, I think in the article they were saying, she was saying how she was pregnant with her daughter at the same time as her surrogate was Mm -hmm. pregnant with her son. So she has a six month old daughter and then now like her newborn son. Um, And it's just like, I don't know. It's just so cool. And then she had like a really sweet, I don't know if you um, saw, but they had a really sweet tribute to their surrogate. And she was just like, had like all these kind things. And they ended up naming their son after her surrogate. It was like, I think Ren Alexander's, Stevens or something like that yeah. or Steven yeah. or whatever. Yes, it's just like Aww, so, that's sweet. so sweet. Yeah. It's just yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. And she actually also has a podcast coming out that I'm going to be speaking on and talking more about my experience and my new business that I'm launching and all things surrogacy. So I'm just so happy that we're we'll talking more and more about surrogacy. I feel like sometimes there's, you know, people that just aren't willing to talk about they want to keep it more quiet and it's just nice so people can feel like they're not alone. Oh, right. for sure. Definitely. Absolutely. I um, recently launched Surrogacy Simplified, and we are a consulting and concierge dedicated to helping intended parents from start to finish. So we don't match intended parents with surrogates, but rather we guide them through every single step of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they needed a, a surrogate, we would go ahead and connect them. Either we would support them in doing so privately, whether it's through social media and what to post or through connecting them with an agency, but we hold their hand through every step of the process. We noticed, or through my experience, I should say, there was just this gap. And I feel like having someone there that's really your advocate through the whole process and then helping you with coordination and relationship management and just all of the little details rather than the big picture is just so needed when you're navigating such a complex way to achieve parenthood. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. Um, 
Sonia was actually telling me a horror story because I was kind of like confused. I'm like, so explain to me what Jesse does again. And she's explaining how it's like a concierge service and you fill in the gaps and you basically help couples through this process. And then I don't know, Sonia, if you want to tell that <laughs> horror story that you told me about the families that did um, went to Mexico to. Oh, yeah. geez, this is a terrible story. Did you story. see that? Did you see that, yeah. Jesse? Yeah. <sighs> so when I was researching surrogacy, I was um, on YouTube and I saw it's like a documentary um, basically turned like almost a, like a help cry. These people um, wanted to have two children. Um, they were a gay couples so they couldn't obviously have their own biological children together and they went through a company based in mexico and um ended up finding out that the, the mothers were having some complications so they went down to mexico to see what they could do to help and they were the company that they were paying for the surrogacy was putting these women in um, they weren't real hospitals. They were just like underground places where surrogacy was, you know, happening, the medical treatment and the birth and all of that was happening in like this underground place. And they found out when they got there, how sketchy this company actually was. And the women weren't being paid very much for the actual service. They were willingly doing it, but the money wasn't really going to them. It was most of the money was being skimmed off the top by the, the company that they went through. And these women were getting horrible medical treatment and they stayed there for the birth. And, um, it was really horrific. Nothing was really going well. And then they ended up finding out the surrogacy is actually illegal in Mexico. If I'm not incorrect, but I'm pretty sure they said that surrogacy is actually illegal. Um, because of exploitation and all of that. And so basically now these people are stuck in Mexico with one of the moms who got pregnant with twins. So they have three children and they're stuck in Mexico. They can't get birth certificates and they can't get passports. Oh and I'm God. not sure how all of that works in Mexico. Um, but I just, these people have spent more than their life savings, a lot more than what they anticipated spending on the surrogacy process. And they are not able to leave Mexico with their children. God. Yeah. Lots of recent celebrity babies have brought more awareness to surrogacy, and it's certainly a topic that's relevant to our geriatric age group. So I'm just going to list a few of those uh, geriatric mama celebrities. So we have Sarah Jessica Parker, one of my favorites because of Sex and the City, of course. She chose yeah. surrogacy at the age of 43 after going through secondary infertility. And then there's Tyra Banks, who welcomed a baby boy via surrogacy at the age of 41 after many failed IVF cycles. How devastating. But also with a very happy ending. Then we have Ellen Pompeo. I don't know how to say her name correctly, so Jessica or Jesse, you might have to correct me. <laughs> um, Ellen Pompeo, I think, welcomed her third child at age 47. Her second and her third were both conceived via surrogacy. 
And then as Jessica just mentioned, Chrissy Teigen, and then so many more that we can all think of for sure. Yeah, and I love reading their stories. And I always just like to jump into that a lot of people think, and I know from my own experience, which I'll share in a little bit, that when I say I've done surrogacy, like there's like this myth that you you must be rich or it's it's reserved for the wealthy mm-hmm. or it's reserved for celebrities. And there's really, a, there is financial assistance available for those that need to travel down that path to parenthood. There um, are different foundations that people can apply for. There's loans. There are ways for people to access surrogacy. Yes, it's expensive. There's no beating around the bush with that, but it's not just for the Christy Teagans of the world, even though I love reading their stories. Yes, exactly. (laughs) That's such a great point. And you know, I'm sure all of those um, great possibilities that you can share with your clients as well. That's great. So, um, Jesse, do you want to tell us your story? Yeah. So my path to parenthood, um, started with me getting pregnant. Um, I got pregnant very easily, which I was very fortunate for. And the pregnancy was relatively smooth until about 22 weeks when I had a loss. Um, I was actually on my baby moon when it happened. So it was very unexpected because like I had mentioned, we conceived easily. Pregnancy was relatively smooth. I didn't even have like the nausea or many of the other, um, symptoms and it was just a total devastation and surprise um we had just couldn't believe it um and quadruple by the fact that we were in arizona on our baby moon we just had nobody around us um for for support while we were going through my delivery and it was just such a difficult time in our lives we got back home and i ended up hemorrhaging um from retained placenta and needed an emergency dnc and the DNC was the catalyst for having secondary infertility and having to go down the path of surrogacy. Um, I didn't find that out right away. I had to do, it was years of testing. Um, I had scarring in my uterus, which was called um, Asherman syndrome. And through them removing the scarring, my uter- um, my lining was still too thin for me to carry. So I was in this gray area where I had two obstacles to overcome, like first getting pregnant with a thin lining and then two staying pregnant because we knew I had a loss. So there are some women where it's very clear they're going to need a surrogate, um, you know, women with MRKH, for example. But then there was me where it wasn't so black and white. We just kind of had to take everything that I had been through and decide if I was the safest route to bring a baby or if we needed um, to, you know, solicit the help of a surrogate to help me help me and my husband have a baby wow i imagine that's such a um emotional decision as well too Mm -hmm. because it's like you know for me i'm such a control freak (laughs) yeah and you know like you're literally giving up control at that Mm -hmm. point you know because it's like you're in the level of trust that this other woman is going to eat right take the supplements she needs to take go to the doctor she needs to go to. Um, like, I can only imagine. I'm like, you know, like, mm-hmm. how, yeah. how did you navigate that? Absolutely. And it was frustrating because I had done, at this point, I had done IUIs. I had done a whole series of testing and medications, you name it. And I just wanted someone to say to me, you should do surrogacy. But the doctors, we were kind of in this gray area dance where no one was giving me a black and white answer. And me and my husband just had to really make the decision given 
everything we had known and what we thought would give us the best outcome. Yeah. Yeah. So for our first journey, we ended up using an agency um, to help us through the process. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the second time around, we did it independently, just my husband, Michael and myself. Oh, that's amazing that you were able to do that after, you know, having to go through the agency. You must have learned a lot the first time. We did. Do you have a preference? Like, mm-hmm. it's interesting. So, we, for the, um, and I'm, I know we talked before we started airing about being organized and attention to detail, and that all resonated with me. And so, I think that type of personality <laughs> helps me feel motivated. Yeah. And also, when I wanted my second, it was the height of COVID and there just was not a lot of gestational carriers. I had called my agency and they said that they weren't even able to quote a wait time. Wow. And so I said, so my husband and I said, why don't we just try? Mm -hmm. We'll, you know, we will post on social media. We did it privately, not on our statuses, but rather like surrogacy Facebook groups. And I, you know, was very clear on what we were looking for. And we, we, get, we said in our mind, we're going to give it six months to a year. And if we can't find somebody, we're going to go with the agency and go with that timeline. Right. But when you are wanting to complete your family each day, it's just, it feels long. Yeah, it does. Right. So what were, what was your vetting process like with deciding who to go with? With our, for the agency? Or for the, sur- for the surrogate, the woman that you ultimately ended up going with. So, um, for my second daughter, we did the independent journey. Um, I had just learned so much from the first time what we needed to look for. And we had actually to backtrack a bit with my first journey had to go through two gestational carriers to have my daughter. So we had just learned through each obstacle, just so much and what is needed. And then even more so sometimes the clinics will have some recommendations, but they're really focused on reproductive health, not the, the holistic picture of the woman. Mm-hmm. So we had just taken everything we learned and then took that with us to, to our independent journey. And we sort of listed out everything we were looking for, why we needed a surrogate, pictures of me and my husband and our daughter at the time, and just to see who we would get. And we got a response within days, which was just, we couldn't believe it given what the agencies had quoted. And it was, you know, the height, it was 2021 early. So it was still like the height of COVID before the vaccinations and just people very much still on lockdown. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I wonder why the agency was like, oh, it's a long waiting list, but then it's like independently you found somebody so much faster. Yeah. It was just really the right place, right time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. With our first daughter, our first gestational carrier actually developed pancreatitis and she had a reaction to the IVF medication and miscarried. We needed to break our match. It was a mutual break because of what she had been through. Mm -hmm. And then we had to rematch again. So it was just, even with you know, anything's truly possible. You have to like really go into it knowing mm-hmm. anything can happen and just hope, really hoping for the best and putting yourself in the best position to succeed. See, like my mind would have been like, do you know how hard it was to create that embryo? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like to be really blunt, like I'd be like, man, you know, like, cause it's just like all around. It's like, you're waiting. It's like every little detail, like nothing can go wrong. You need every little thing to like, match up perfectly for it to work. Um, Mm -hmm. So I imagine it's probably a very emotional experience as well. It's on pins and needles the whole time. And just when you're waiting to have the child and each appointment is three weeks and then each, you know, (laughs) you're matching again and then you're meeting with lawyers and psychologists and each thing is weak. So, you know, you have to be so patient during the process, even though that's 
so Mm -hmm. hard to do. And I think too, it's like, I remember like being younger and like being like, oh, well, like, maybe I'll just like go the surrogate route. So I don't have to worry about getting fat like getting pregnant. and it's like so easy to just like throw it out there. It's like no big deal. Like, Oh, I could just get a surrogate, but it's like, it is a big deal. Like there's, right. you know, there's just so much involved with it. And it's like, you know, people don't think right. about it. And I think too, it goes with, you know, um, when you're struggling with infertility and a quick fix that a lot of people will suggest is like, well, you can always adopt. And it's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not just yeah. that simple, you know, right. it's not, and None surrogacy is, is the same thing. None of it is. It's like, there's just so much involved with it, you know, um, so, like the cost that we mentioned, how much is it usually roughly? I would say it depends on a lot of factors. Um, using an agency, not using an agency, things going right the first time. Like as I shared with my first journey for my daughter, Lily, we had to use two carriers, but through each step of the process, like you, I got to a certain point, like we had paid for attorneys and psychologists and clear medical evaluations and transfers. So I would say for the first journey, it was probably closer to a little more than 150,000. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're having, I imagine you're having to take care of all like the medical costs and expenses because, I mean, it, does the woman's insurance cover any of, of it? That's actually a great question. What, what you do in the beginning of the process is you submit the, um, the carrier's um, insurance policy to um, an insurance review company and they essentially review it and they make a determination on whether there's a clause that says it's surrogacy friendly or not. And then based off of that, you may buy the carrier um, supplemental insurance. So that could make your, your surrogacy expense go, um, like, so I had carriers with surrogacy friendly insurance but if they didn't you would have to then purchase them private health insurance which would increase the cost quite a bit got Mm -hmm. it okay interesting and you can also could they just like not (laughs) it's like not you probably know where i'm gonna go with this and i know you're probably gonna give me the response that you need to say but i'm just like (laughs) thinking to myself like well what if like the surrogate like doesn't say that it's a surrogate and she's just Oh, you know, I guess I got I guess it. I was so wondering where you were going to go fraud. with that question. <laughs> but, I'm just like, but like, what if they don't right. say it's a surrogate and it's like just a birth? But there's probably, probably. Oh yeah, there's people. so much in the legal contract that <laughs> goes on, on that. and then the, the right. one, the like, the wanting to be at the appointments and then wanting to be in the delivery room when the baby's born. There's just there's yeah, a there's lot to it. There's yeah, so many factors. And so you went through surrogacy twice, correct? Yes. Do you um, favor one experience over the other with overall how things went? Like, did you run into any challenges? Well, I, both women were lovely, but my first experience, she delivered my daughter seven weeks early. She developed preeclampsia, mm-hmm. um, which can happen in IVF, um, you know, surrogacy or right. not, there's just increased risk. Mm-hmm. Um, so my daughter had a NICU stay. Um, she actually did fantastic for coming two weeks early. Our NICU stay was a little less than two weeks. Awesome. Um, so we're really, really fortunate and there was no long standing issues. Um, she's a perfect little three major and, um, <laughs> three major. I love it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but, um, so that, I mean, it was nothing with the, the carrier as a person, but of course you don't want to deliver seven weeks early if you can avoid it with my youngest, we were able to make it 37 weeks and then her blood pressure went up a bit. So we delivered. So I, I guess I'd pick 
that one went more smoothly because we got to a safer gestation if I had to pick. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah, that makes definitely. Sense. And now I'm going to steal the term three-nager, but I'm going to say two-nager for Annabelle. <laughs> <laughs> it's or funny it's like- because people say terrible twos. I was I'm like, maybe it's one or the other because I did not feel like the twos were that terrible. I, it, a a three-nager mm-hmm. is a whole new ball game for me. That's what I'm hearing. That's what everyone's been saying. So can't wait. <laughs> or is it, or is it like people say like two going on 20 or something like yeah. that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's where we're at with Annabelle right now. So um, I'm so curious to hear more about you, um, you know, your journey for your second pregnancy. Um I mean, you're technically your third pregnancy um, where you found the person and you were trying to find people on your own and you ended up posting on the Facebook group. It was a really interesting story. So as I was saying, I shared about Michael, myself and Lily. Um, and then I shared a little bit of the logistics, like what our, our fertility clinic required, just so people, we didn't spend time and get a connection and then find out that they weren't a fit. So you do a little bit of the logistics as mm-hmm. well. And then um, I just sent, I shared some pictures and somebody reached out to me and he said um, he was an intended father looking for someone to carry for him and his partner. And he said that his sister-in-law wants to carry, but she is um, hesitant to do it for family. Should something go wrong? They don't want, they're a very close yeah. family. They don't want anything to jeopardize the dynamic. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he's like, you just sound like you'd be really great for her. And so he connected me with his sister-in-law. That's oh, wow. So sweet. Yeah, and that's who her name is Sarah, and that is who carried our youngest daughter Luna for us. Um, But it was oh, I love that. That's so sweet. If you're ever on these groups, there's so many posts. It feels like you're just like a needle in a haystack. So it just Mm -hmm. was. We felt so incredibly fortunate that he had seen it and thought of us and connected us with his sister-in-law. Yeah, that's amazing. Was that experience what prompted you to start your own company? Like, how did that come about? I wanted to start my own company because I felt like. First, surrogacy is so complicated as I was talking about, like, there's the lawyers, there's the psychologists, there's medical appointments, there's traveling, there's documentation for the hospital, there's the birth certificate, there's so much. And then there's also just wanting a level of support and an advocate. And I had felt like even with using a surrogate, we had obstacles, as I had mentioned, having to switch carriers and um, our daughter delivering early. I just wanted to be able to impart my knowledge and all of the experience that I've gained and Mm -hmm. make it a little smoother for somebody else. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So how at this point have you been able to support your clients the most? Yeah, I would say um, helping them a lot with the relationship management. So like guiding them on like what would be a great match with their um, gestational carrier. So something to think about is communication style. Like, do you want to be texting with them? Do you want it to be on FaceTime? Do you want it to feel more businessy where you maybe just have like a once a month touch point? And like, there's no wrong, but these are the types of things that you want to, I coach my clients on talking about upfront. So that way everybody's on the same page and you have a more harmonious relationship because it would be so frustrating if you're someone that would want a daily check-in and your, your carrier or your IP is not responding to you. Um, So really guiding them through that on how to find a good match, um, connecting that. I, I like connecting them with different people to help them go through the process faster. So like a 
you know, like I've networked with great lawyers and psychologists and just um, insurance companies to make sure they have somebody at every step of the way that we can help get to the finish line. And then really just being that one constant for them. Like there's so many different professionals mm-hmm. that you need to go through and just having that one person that kind of acts as a liaison through everything I think is really reassuring for them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I mean, they're spending so much money, you know, and it's like, I can imagine like how overwhelming all like the documents are they have to sign. Yes. And it's like, you mentioned all the different appointments and there's just so many things. So I can imagine like, you know, having somebody as their advocate by mm-hmm. their side, holding their hands through the process, making sure that all the I's are dotted, all the T's are crossed, everything's done. I'm sure that that's just a huge weight off their shoulders. I can only imagine. Cool. Right. Totally. And in that way too, like, um, you almost think it's like almost saving money because you're preventing some pitfalls that could happen. Like, and just because mm-hmm. like, you've, we've, I've walked the walk and just like, we can guide them through it. You know, you can't mm-hmm. anticipate everything, but just mm-hmm. some of the things that I have learned along the way that could pr- potentially help them from making similar mistakes. Like seeking a surrogacy company in Mexico. <laughs> yeah. For instance. Yes. And for it's, instance. It's not legal in many, many countries in Europe either. You have mm-hmm. to be very careful. Right. Gosh. And right. even in the what United is- States, it's not friendly everywhere. Right. Really? Yeah. Um, I be- we're at 47 out of 50 states right now where it's surrogacy friendly. And you, you tend to follow the law where the baby's going to be delivered, but there are some loopholes where you can do where the embryo transfer was if that was a a surrogate friendly state but you really need to talk to a um, reproductive attorney but yeah Mm -hmm. what states let's out them (laughs) let's blast them what states are against it it's I can look it up. Don't say Maine. Don't say Maine. (laughs) It can't be Maine. It can't be Maine. No. I want to say it's Michigan, and there's two more, and it's escaping me right now. It would be Michigan. We put you on the spot on that one, but maybe we can come back to it. I can put it in our show notes, too, so don't feel like you have to come up with it right now. Um, Yeah. But that is a great question, a good thing to put in our notes, for sure. So my question. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, it's okay. And this might not be even like as important as yours. So maybe we'll come back around to Jessica's too, if we remember. Um, But I heard you mention psychologist twice. So I'm just kind of curious. It might've been more than twice. I'm just kind of curious. I know that it's definitely something I probably could have used during my IVF process for sure. But I mean, who do you feel... Um, from working with your clients tends to need the psychologist the most? Or what is your main purpose for really connecting with psychologists for your clients? Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, they actually are required to use a psychologist, believe it or not. So the oh. so part of the requirement of the surrogacy process is that the gestational carrier is evaluated mentally to mm-hmm. make sure that they're a good fit to go through with the surrogacy process. Mm-hmm. And then depending on your fertility clinic, they will also evaluate um, the intended parents. So in my circumstance, they evaluated RGC and her husband and then Michael and I. Mm -hmm. And then we had a group session where we talked about like like controversial topics, like your thoughts on termination, your thoughts on different things that you may disagree on. And the goal is that you're all on the same page. Mm -hmm. So that when you get to the legal aspect of surrogacy and you're writing out what you would do in different circumstances, you're not really held up you know, coming to, coming to terms with things, you already know how one another feel like, a, um, a couple years ago, like whether or not you got the COVID vaccine, like that's an example of something mm-hmm. you might talk about. 
Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I mentioned termination, often, how often you want to communicate. Um, do you want to talk after the baby's born? How mm-hmm. are you going to tell your baby about this? Are you going to tell your baby about this? Things like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I actually now have two questions. So one <laughs> um, question, I'm just curious, what were some of the, um, you know, you mentioned that when you were trying to find the surrogacy independently, that you had a list of qualifiers that you had just formed through going with the agency that just kind of came up. So what were some of those qualifiers? Like, was it like, um, you know, obviously I imagine like age, probably their reproductive health, like what are some of the things that were deal breakers? Yes. So for those, so those are fertility clinic requirements. Like they go into BMI, number of pregnancies you've had, number of miscarriages, um, really your reproductive health. For me, it would be, it was somebody that would follow the doctor's orders in terms of pregnancy. Um, I was, I was pretty more laid back in terms of what they were eating as long as it was within doctor's orders. Um, mm-hmm. And then I really wanted someone that I was focused on, like someone would want like that friendly relationship, like more of a warm and fuzzy who wouldn't feel annoyed mm-hmm. if I was checking in frequently and not in a mm-hmm. micromanaging way, just like more like developing a friendship and checking in on the baby and wanting to feel included. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that's not for everybody. Like I said, some people might just prefer like a once a week, very formal, like things mm-hmm. are good talk, you know, more business. Mm-hmm. And so that was really important for me. Um, when I, and I did find that with both of them because I was so, um, forthcoming in the beginning on what I was mm-hmm. looking for, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. he, sometimes people feel awkward cause they, they want to make sure the person likes them. They want it, the, it they want the person to pick them too, mm-hmm. as, you know, as a match. But in reality, it's more important to just really share what you're looking for. So mm-hmm. you can make sure you're finding someone that's on the same page as you and you're going to have a good relationship. Right. And then my, that's really helpful to know. Um, and then my other question was, um, where does your, where do your services end? Like, is it like once the baby's born, you're like, see ya. Or like, do you still kind of like work with the families for a little period after to make sure everybody's adjusted or how does that work? Um, I would say through the end of the fourth trimester, really that way Mm -hmm. that they, and they may, and it turns like some families will use that less than others just, but they know that they have me should they want to meet and be just feel supported about becoming a a mom or a dad and, you know, perhaps resources for a night nurse or a doula, things like Mm -hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, we, we've already gave a disclaimer that we're Kardashian fans, like early on a few episodes ago. Um, but, um, so in one of the recent episodes of, um, the Kardashians, Chloe was opening up about, you know, her experience with going through a surrogacy and she was just, you know, cause Kim had used surrogacy and like, she right. had no problems. Everything was fine. And, um, and Chloe was just like sharing that, you know, a lot of, the parts that people don't tell you is that you can have like Chloe was having a hard time connecting emotionally with with her baby baby, and Mm -hmm. she was struggling with that. Um, What would you like, what um, advice or resources or type of guidance would you give one of your clients if they were, if they were feeling struggle, like they were struggling with connecting with their child or is there something to prepare them for that? I think a lot of skin to skin, I it would be like one of my biggest recommendations and just really, and, and also just having, you know, patience with yourself and understanding mm-hmm. that everyone's 
path to motherhood. And I would imagine even some, you know, mothers that deliver sometimes feel that way, you know, just due to all the release of the hormones and just everything going on um, that, you know, just having some grace with yourself. And mm-hmm. I think just, you know, skin to skin bonding, mm-hmm. cuddling. And then, you know, if you're feeling like you're still needing those extra resources, like leaning on perhaps a doula, maybe a counselor, mm-hmm. if you're feeling any like more of like like I know it's not technically postpartum, but like that's some anxiety or depression surrounding it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I also, you it know, makes me wonder too, because you know how Jesse, you were saying, um, you really were one of the warm and fuzzy, um, you know, moms who kind of wanted to have like the daily communication with the carrier. Um, and, have that relationship and build that with them. I'm kind of wondering if given the circumstances that Chloe was under when the carrier became pregnant, I'm kind of wondering if given all of that, maybe she didn't have that because I personally the whole Tristan feel right, the whole Tristan thing. Yeah. I'm just like, if I had the kind of, and I would want the same kind of relationship that you had with yours, Jesse, for sure. Same. I would be the person who needed that. Um, and I feel like that would bring me closer to the baby before the baby was born too. You know, right. mm-hmm. so I don't know. I'm just speculating what could have. Yeah, yeah that's, I mean, happened. right, and, and and it could have been possible that they had they didn't talk as frequently, right. uh, or like I know for me, I attended a lot of appointments. You know, there's so much we don't know about what what she may have gone through. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm sorry, just I your... cut you off. What were you gonna? Oh, you're fine. <laughs> okay. um, it wasn't. It wasn't that important. Um, I actually don't remember. <laughs> um, and then how. Because I could imagine, I mean, your family w- was probably very, very supportive. But, you know, my, and I think my family would be supportive of that as well. But um, I do have some very headstrong, old school minded people in my family um, that, you know, may look down on it or feel some kind of way. Um, I imagine maybe that's something that would come up in, you know, um, speaking to, you know, going to a therapist or whatever. But have you had any clients that have come to you with concerns of like navigating like, well, we want to do this, but our family's against it? Yeah, I would just really tell them, um, educating them on the process. I think a lot of it might just come from not knowing the process very well. not knowing if it's the baby's biologically yours. So just Mm -hmm. like really giving them kind of like a crash course in surrogacy and like what Mm -hmm. it is, what the process is like. And I think when they understand it a little bit, it helps them feel more comfortable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Because back in the day, like with traditional, sorry, with traditional surrogacy, it was like the, you know, the baby was biologically half the surrogate mom you know so i mean that could be a big yeah and traditional i'm not sure how long it took for gestational surrogacy to start after but there was a time Wait, can we talk a little bit about the difference between that because i actually had no idea there was like a difference yeah so So go ahead ahead. take it away (laughs) so traditional the term traditional surrogacy would refer to the it being like the woman and perhaps like a male um, sperm donor. Um, but more recently, even um, very often in the gay community, they'll have mm-hmm. the embryo created and then they'll have another person carry instead of doing mm-hmm. traditional surrogacy. Got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Whereas oh, gestational surrogacy, gestational carrier is somebody who's carrying a baby that's not biologically related to them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just look at this. I'm learning 
learning new things over here. (laughs) It's just so much to know about, seriously. There's so much. Like, um, you had mentioned something, too, that I hadn't really thought about. Um, You had mentioned something along the lines of how to explain to the child that they were brought into this world through surrogacy. I didn't really think about it, but I guess... I guess that probably is important to tell them just as it would be with, you know, IVF at some point. Um, How do you bring that up to a child? Like, how do you explain that to them? Yeah, well, we have some great books at our house that we read to our oldest daughter who is three. And it's so funny to me because on my Instagram page, you can see this. She recounts how she's born and she (laughs) talks about the egg and the sperm meeting and getting shot into her carriers. Oh my goodness. I keep keep joking when she like learns the the way other people have babies. Like it's going to be like this mind blowing experience because she knows like mommy had a little, a little surgery and you know, and this whole thing. And you know, then I went to another state and then we drove me home. Like, you know, the whole thing. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. So I keep laughing that when she finds out the other way, to have a child. Mm-hmm. Um, can you actually send us the links to those books? I'd love yes. to include them in the show notes. I think yeah. that would be really helpful for people that are going yeah, through Yeah, one that. book is The Kangaroo Pouch, and that's like really specific to surrogacy. And then there's mm-hmm. another book, and the name is escaping me, but it's in our bathroom because I read it. So, like I have a stack mm-hmm. of books in there for my daughter. Oh. And, um, it That one in particular is so nice because it has gender neutral terms. It says like a body with a uterus, um, mm-hmm. for example. Okay. Like it gives like all, di- it's like really inclusive for all different kinds of families. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I think it'd be really, really helpful to include those for sure yeah. in the show um, notes. I will definitely get that to you guys. That's so cute. And I was just listening to this YouTube video a couple days ago too, where they refer to the carrier as the stork, like lovingly. The store. Oh, and I thought that so was so sweet. cute too. But I love kangaroo pouch. That's adorable. Yeah. And um, my last carrier, her name is Sarah. She would call Luna her womb mate. Her oh, roommate, stop. <laughs> that is so cute. Oh my gosh, I feel like that needs to be the name of this episode. The you sound like the best carrier roommate. you possibly could. That's so cool. I know. Do you still We're, talk to her? I do. I mean, it's not daily anymore, unfortunately, just with life and kids. But right. we are planning to try to meet up. Um, I haven't seen her since the delivery. And my daughter's a year now. So we're hoping this fall, since the summer is so hectic, that we can be together with both of our families. She has two mm-hmm. kids of her own so oh that's so we're hoping sweet. to plan something gosh yeah. what a selfless like act right uh, you know. know what i mean that 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 is like it's mm-hmm. such a gift that that a woman is is willing to to do that you know because it takes a lot on your body it takes a huge toll right. on your body to right. do that to grow a human and so to be willing to do that for another family is just mm-hmm. truly remarkable it's, i know and the sacrifices that they make so it's like not even on their body but then their husband taking over childcare, you know more so for appointments yes. and if they're not feeling well just like they would with a normal pregnancy but like they're they're both doing it i always feel like the husband's almost like the unsung hero or the wife depending mm-hmm. on the circumstance mm-hmm. but um y- they're doing so much behind the scenes too like to right. make sure that everything in the background can stay afloat while she focuses on helping another family's dreams right. come true it's just unbelievable right. truly a special it's like the husband they need there needs to be like a surrogacy husband support group yes. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> truly amazing <laughs> all come together yeah um that would be so cute have you heard of any i'm sure it's happened um 
not to like bring up horror stories or anything, but have you heard of any situations where the surrogate had a hard time emotionally, like turning the baby over? Cause you know, there has I, to I be a personally, bond I've, there, you know? <laughs> right. I haven't personally, um, I have with both of mine, given them the opportunity to hold the baby after birth and like have a little moment with the baby just to like have some closure. And I would definitely recommend that to people. And they do try to back to the psych talk, evaluate their ability to give the baby, you know, to the family to try yeah. to tease that out. It doesn't mean it never happens. I haven't personally encountered that, but there's, that's mm -hmm. not to say it's not difficult for some people. Yeah, I know. I don't want to like put out like <laughs> scary stories out there and have people be like afraid of surrogacy. That's not what I'm intending to do. I was just curious because yeah, I just know that it's like the emotional bond and connection of mm -hmm. having this tiny human in you, you know, and then to turn it over. Um, mm -hmm. and, and yeah, most I can of only them imagine. You, like, <laughs> I follow so many um, surrogates on Instagram and they all are like the to us like seeing the parents face when they have the baby and they hold the baby for the first time like mm -hmm. that's like the emotional component that they were like looking for at the end of the pregnancy oh right yeah exactly Gosh. yeah especially since so many of these parents have gone through the fertility process or you know God forbid the thing you had to go through. There's so many people who've had to go through that. So I can only imagine the emotion that they're seeing on these families' faces as they mm -hmm. get to hold their baby for the first time. That just, it must be, you know, it must be comforting for them yeah. as much as for the parents, for sure. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Gosh. Well, any other questions we have? Um, Jesse, is there anything else you would like to mention for our listeners i think for so for most of the women listening to this show if you're a geriatric mama i would imagine um if you're thinking about surrogacy you're experiencing secondary infertility similar to me um but in a different way and i would just say that you're not alone there are so many people that have gone down this path and that are exploring surrogacy and just even if you don't need surrogacy, just secondary infertility, how common it actually is that you're just really not alone. And there's so many great resources out there. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So true. And Jesse, you and your business are one of those amazing resources out there for people. So if there's anyone listening who is interested in learning more about what Jesse has to offer her clients, we highly encourage that you go to surrogacysimplified.com. You can also find Jesse on Instagram at surrogacysimplified. Is there anywhere else you want to send people by chance, Jesse, or are those the two that? I think those are the two. Um, I'm on, I'm, I'm starting TikTok. I feel geriatric <laughs> figuring it out. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Us geriatric um, mamas are not on TikTok. Uh, TikTok. Okay, good. I just feel <laughs> We're not on a tickety talk. <laughs> yeah. I'm, no. I'm struggling there, but I'm trying my best. Um, LinkedIn, Facebook, send up a flare. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> Perfect. I, I am blogging. If you want to hear more about my journal, I mean, my story, that's also on the website too. And some resources and just in, information in general on surrogacy. Perfect. Thank awesome. you. So thank you everyone for listening. Be sure to tune in next week. Follow, subscribe, rate, and review. Tell a friend. We need your support.
please. All the support we can get. <laughs> For more info, you can check out our website at www.geriatricmamas.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at geriatric underscore mamas, on Twitter at geriatric mamas, and follow our group page on Facebook, geriatric mamas. It's a tongue tie. <laughs> and then we also have a Facebook page, which is also geriatric mamas. <laughs> Go figure. Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers. Yes. Oh, my God. You did that perfectly. I did, but I can't say geriatric mamas five times in a row, clearly. <laughs> if you have a topic idea you'd like to discuss, are interested in being a guest, or simply have a funny geriatric story to tell, you can submit your inquiry by going on our website and clicking Be Our Guest. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>